0: Hello, and welcome to The Independent Minds, a podcast from Abysseedah. In The Independent Minds, we explore new ideas about work and different ways of working, all with the aim of creating better work experiences for everyone. I'm your host, Michael Millward, the Managing Director of Abysseedah. In this episode of The Independent Minds, I'm joined by Kevin Palmieri, who is the founder of the Next Level University. Hello, Kevin.
1: Michael, thank you so very much for having me. I am very excited to chat with you today.
0: Likewise, I'm looking forward to it. And please could we start by you explaining what The next level university is, and how it came to be.
1: Yes, so next level university is a global top one hundred podcast with over one thousand episodes. We're actually at eleven hundred episodes now, and we have listeners in one hundred and twenty five plus countries. For us, it's the podcast, but beneath that, we have a bunch of different coaching programs. We have a charity. We have a bunch of free value. So it really is a place where you can get better every single day. You can get a little bit better every single day. And we are the ones that want to lead the charge on that. And it came from a massive pain, mostly Michael. I was somebody who had made a, a good living in my mid twenties. I was quote unquote successful. And I had a year where I made six figures and I assumed that all of this money was going to make all of my problems go away when it didn't. I said, you know what? For most of my life, I've lived unconsciously. The opposite of unconscious is hyperconscious. So I started a podcast called the Hyperconscious Podcast. It was just a passion project. And that ended up leading into what we're doing today. But my goal has always been to help people raise their awareness And then with a new level of awareness, take a new level of action and get better, more aligned results.
0: So what do you mean by more aligned results?
1: I think everybody at some level wants better. They wanna do better, they wanna be better, they wanna get better, they wanna achieve more, they wanna experience more, but not everybody knows how. So their effort does not necessarily yield the results that they want. So when I say aligned results, aligned goals, aligned relationships, I mean the ones that you really, really, really want, not the things that you're settling for. The The results that are aligned with your actual efforts. I really think that's what everybody wants. And most people don't ever get that. They get results, but it's not always the results that they actually are working for.
0: So with the next level university, then your approach is almost to help people identify what they really, really want. And every time as a Brit, I say that, um, I'm thinking, uh, down the road lives Mel B from the Spice Girls. Spice so, Girls, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those phrases that is just part of the, it's. It's completely changed as a result of you know the Spice Girls. But the question is, I suppose you were in a situation where you were earning lots of money and thought that you were supposed to be that would make you successful, happy, um, mm. but it didn't and it's it's almost like how to find out what you really really want there's something about the unlearning process because it's almost like i can i know that there are so many people who will be thinking if I have this type of house, this type of car, this type of salary, this type of job title, then I will be happy. I will be successful. I know as an HR person, I have dealt with people who've said, well, you know, I'm going to be leaving this business. Okay. Why are you leaving? Um, I'm leaving because I'm approaching my 30th birthday and I'm not a, I'm not a manager yet. Oh, mm. right. And it's like, because I'm not a manager by the time I'm 30 in this organization, I'm not a success. do I think mm. we have... The things that um, we classify as success, but a lot of those are external. It's almost like what what other people perceive us to be successful rather than what we are successful, actually really successful at.
1: Yeah, it's, it's so hard because I think that the one thing in the one measure of success that you can compare to is happiness because you can see people being happy in moments based on outcomes. But the thing that I think really brings, quote unquote, happiness is fulfillment. I think happiness is fleeting. So this is always my analogy for this, Michael. If this podcast goes well and you like me, I will feel happy. I will give myself a pat on the back and I'll say, awesome, Kev, that was great. No matter how this podcast goes, I am fulfilled in the process of doing it. So I think if we had that understanding earlier in life that, look, there's a lot of people that look happy based on what they have, but they're not fulfilled based on what they're doing, I think that's kind of the paradox. I know we always say comparison is the thief of joy and comparison is a dangerous game, and I agree, but at least if you knew what you were comparing to, if you knew the truth behind the scenes of all these nice things, that's one of my goals is to say, look, I had all the things that everybody seems to want. When I was the most fulfilled, that's when I was the most quote-unquote happy i was the most proud i was the most excited for my future so yeah it's it's very interesting how i believe we're set up to chase happiness when in reality happiness is something you get bouts of nobody is happy 24 7 but you can be fulfilled longer than you can be happy i really believe that
0: i'm i'm coming to the point where i'm where i'm agreeing with you i know as an hr person we have access to everybody's personal details and how much everyone is paid and all that sort of thing and when you start your hr career if you start in an organization that has people who are who are um, really on the ball about leading hr people they will sit down with new hr people and say look you have access to all of this information if you go looking for information about other people, I can guarantee that you will be disappointed by what you find because you never, ever go looking for information about people who you think might not be paid as much as you, might not have this all the different perks that you have, all this sort of stuff. Your comparisons that you make Against of yourself against other people are almost like a route to unhappiness, to disaster, mm-hmm. because we compare ourselves to people who have what we perceive to be better lives. It's one of the things of social media. We look at social media through the candy floss of of what people choose to tell us, Whereas we don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Yeah. We don't know what's happening in the house. We don't know whether they've bought all those things on credit or whether they've got loads of cash that they've got to go, to use up. And when we compare ourselves to other people, we're we're heading towards a state of unhappiness. Mm. There's a, What you seem to be saying is that getting to the point of fulfillment includes periods of happiness along the way because of various different activities. But... Fulfillment requires an understanding of what fulfillment means to us as an individual. So a higher level of awareness.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%. This is a good way to think about it. I love donuts. donuts <laughs> Don't we all? Me happy, right? <laughs> but if you think about it, donuts make me happy. It's that momentary sugar, chocolate, ooh, I like this, sugar, chocolate, fat, whatever it is. But if you ate donuts every single day for every single meal, you wouldn't be very happy. It's not sustainable. But imagine if I have my salad and I have my chicken and my rice, and then every couple days I say, you know what, I'm going to treat myself to a donut. That is fulfillment based on me getting closer to my health goals, and then I have a balance of happiness in there, right? It's, it's, It's that... Happiness is not the end goal. That's not what we're we're looking for. We're looking to be fulfilled in the process. Now, to your point, yes, the self-awareness of what is success actually to you. And this is a great example, a great analogy, and a great story. So I made $100,000 at 26 years of age with no college degree. That required me to be on the road for 10 months out of the 12 months in that year because my company traveled a lot. The next year, Michael, I applied for a job internally that I would be paid a forty-five thousand dollar salary. I was gonna take a fifty-five percent pay cut because I valued being at home more than I valued making a hundred thousand dollars again. It took me to understand, or at least it took me to find that success in order to understand what I really valued. But you have to check in with your core values. You have to check in with your core beliefs and you have to check in with your core aspirations and figure out, okay, what do I actually want? Why do I actually want the money? Is it to bring me certainty? Is it so I can buy nice things and look successful? I really do believe self-awareness is the key to almost everything, because when you understand yourself at a deeper level, you understand your decisions, you understand your fears, you understand your insecurities, you understand what you're doing in the world at a deeper level, and at least then you can choose you can consciously make decisions based on or instead of making uh, unconscious decisions
0: yes there's almost an element of selfishness about it, but selfishness from a very positive stance, a very positive perception, is that you have to understand yourself before you can make decisions about what it is that you are going to do in your life.
1: Yeah. I don't I don't think that questioning like, oh man, where did I go wrong? Like what, what happened here? I think of it almost like when you're playing a game, like say you're playing a video game and you've played that level before, you understand where the bad guys are going to come from. You understand mm-hmm. where the boss at the end of the level is. You understand where the tools are. That's what I think of self-awareness as, is it's almost like you're playing a similar level that you've played before. And understanding yourself, it allows you to make decisions that you never would have made before because you understand how it'll play out in the long run, just at a higher level of awareness. Obviously, things are never going to go 100%. They're never going to go exactly the way you think, but at least you're in the right direction.
0: You can almost frame things around yourself and put them into context so you're actually able to make better decisions in any context because it sounds as if um, you have values. If you have this level of self-awareness and you've worked out what fulfillment is going to look like, you're then in a situation to make better decisions about what job you will do, where you Mm -hmm. will do that job, um, what sort of things you will do if you are involved in Activities that you don't really want to be. If somebody tells you to do something which you believe to be immoral or illegal, you would have more of the confidence to actually stand up and say, "We're not doing that."
1: Yeah, and and the why behind it. A fifty thousand dollar a year job with twenty hours family time might be worth more to you than a hundred thousand dollar a year job with five hours of family time per week. That that understanding of what do you value as a human being that. That really can dictate how you pursue profit, how you pursue your job, how, you know, if you want to move up in a company, it really just lets you live in your own truth, which is a very powerful place to live. It
0: is definitely. And listening to you talk, it's, you are talking about one of the things that we very often do at Abucido, which is talk to people about what is your lifestyle aspiration. Mm-hmm. So as HR consultants, we're saying, what is the lifestyle aspiration? If we know what someone's lifestyle aspiration is, then we can help manage work in a way that enables them to fulfill that lifestyle aspiration so there is no point in asking someone who wants to be able to pick their children up from school at the end of the day to work late into the evening you're going to create a conflict between their life and their work and you know secret life will always win yeah (laughs) you know as an employer yeah as an employer if i ask people to do things which don't fit in with the way in which they want to live they will live somewhere else. They will, I will always lose, always. It is a fact of life. And that came from, you know, years ago I was doing recruitment in a high-tech business and uh, responsible for the HR for the sales and marketing team. So starting a new job and the vice president calls me into his office and says, we're going to do some recruitment. You're my HR person. Tell me about the people that we're going to recruit. So I I came up with all sorts of things about we want really, you know, really good salespeople, good track record, highly motivated, all this sort of stuff, and he said you've forgotten about the things away from work. Mm. I said, um, right? Okay. He said I want salespeople who have expensive hobbies. So I I sat there for a second and they said like. Please explain. And he said it's very straightforward and very simple. There is no point in paying someone a large amount of money unless they have something to spend it on, something which adds value to their life. And that means if you have a hobby which requires a large amount of money to be able to have that hobby, and we had people with hot air balloons and yachts and uh, gun dog trainers, all sorts of various different things. Mm but you have to have a reason to earn the money and the money then has to enable you to fulfill a lifestyle aspiration
1: that's a that's a really impactful perspective
0: yeah there's no point in simply just accumulating money without a reason to have that money because there are so many other things in life that you need to be genuinely happy you can't go out for a drink with you know with your bank account you can drink very nice think drinks if you have a big bank account, mm-hmm. but it's not the company that you need. And, and I, right, you need people, you need to socialize. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you need the, the other thing too, that I've really started to understand is the importance of the mission. It, the money is really good. Mm-hmm. Like you can pay somebody a high salary or, or whatever it is, great bonus structure, but When somebody understands that they are an integral part of a mission that is going to create positive change in some way, shape, or form, in some genre of business, in some way in the world, I think there is such a level of pride that's associated with that 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 really, really boosts morale as well. And that helps people understand, look, I'm not just a number here. There is something that I am bringing to this company that is of value and I'm helping the mission. I was reading a book recently and they were talking about, there's a company, I think it's based in the US, it's called 1-800-Flowers. And it's just a, it's a flower delivery company. And they were talking about how one of the people that worked in the garage where they would service the vehicles, he either came up with a new fuel filter or he found a new fuel filter to to be used on the vehicles. It gave them 50%, uh, 15% more mileage before they needed an oil change, thus saving them however many dollars a year that they could pour back into the business and create a more affordable product for the client. And that's somebody who takes a lot of pride in their job because they understand how much value they're adding. And I, I'm willing to bet that that person is very, very fulfilled in their job. If they weren't, they wouldn't be thinking of ways to, to make the company better and more successful.
0: That is very true. And one of the reasons for that, I suspect, is that the last thing that that company 1-800-Flowers ever does is deliver flowers. Mm. They don't deliver flowers. What they deliver is birthdays, mm-hmm. thank yous, celebrations, commemorations, condolences. They deliver messages that tell people that somebody else cares about them. Mm. You know, it's not, okay, that's like the mission. You know, Nobody um, work, used to work in a food factory, and to improve the quality of the products that we sent out the door, we stopped referring to them as products. It's not a product, it's food. Mm. And... You know, when instead of having just pictures of the food around the around the building, you know, just sitting in boxes, we started putting them in context. So this is the food that this parent will feed to their children when they come home from school. This is not just food, a product. It is a food that people share, people give to their children, people celebrate with people, have, you know, Sunday lunch, dinners, whatever it is. It's not just a product. No matter what job you are in, you are not just doing a function. It has value to be added to someone else. And that is basically, with my HR hat on, that's how I start to think about where do we start to find the mission of an organization. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with you that people can find fulfillment in work that has some form of mission, some sort of added value where their contribution is recognized and appreciated, but it's finding where, what that mission is. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it's one of the other things, one of the other interesting beliefs that I have, and I know it's not necessarily, I don't want to say popular, but it's it's not something that's out there a ton yet, is I have a deep belief that you should bring as much to your employees as they bring to you. And all I mean by that is we're a self-improvement company. We are a self-improvement brand. That's what we do. If you're on our team, I don't just want you to help us. I want to help you. I want to help you make your relationship better. I want to help you make your finances better. I want you to achieve whatever you want in terms of fitness and well-being and health and uh, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health. It's, It's very important to me that I help you level up your life because the vast majority of your time is going to be spent outside of working with us. The happier, the more fulfilled you are, the more you will ultimately be able to help with the mission. And that's just the understanding that I have. If you can really, really pour into the people who are helping you, they're going to be able to help you at a deeper level. And it's, it's this wonderful cycle that it has to be poured into on both ends if it's something that you want to be sus- really sustainable long term
0: yes it's like I'm listening to myself
1: <laughs> i'm starting to think we I totally same agree person, with you Michael. we were talking about cars oh, in the beginning i think we're you know maybe we're the same person. yeah yeah
0: we might very well be but i i i do believe that it work is a relationship mm. the relationship between the employer and the employee and you've 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 described it very well. It's not just the case of what somebody brings to their job and and working harder. You know, my role as an HR person is to help people to be more productive, to create a better contribution. But at the same time, I have to balance that with the reward and the reward doesn't always necessarily need to be cash in their pocket yeah. it can be other things which also add to them as individuals and this idea that i think we both subscribe to is that like work should help you fulfill your lifestyle aspirations not just to pay the bills yeah. so that you can take pride in in where you work they give you a t-shirt and you wear it outside of the workplace as well um, you use their pens Um, all all sorts of various different things. But it is very much about a relationship rather than just an exchange of labour for reward. It is a relationship. And the better the understanding, any employer, regardless of how big an employer they are or small, uh, they will get more from people when they show that they care. And that has been shown time and time and time again in various different organisations uh, all sorts of the Quaker organisations, like Round Trees, Fries, um, Cabra's chocolate, aren't they? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but all of those types of organisations, which have shown that they care, have grown very sustainably, very strongly and lasted for a long time.
1: Yeah, and you think about the companies that also care about their consumers and the people, you know, the clientele. It's the same thing. the The places that go above mm-hmm. and beyond. I believe, are the places that will ultimately win in the long run. Now, will it seem like you're winning in the short run? Maybe not. But the fact that maybe if you think of it from a number standpoint, maybe somebody that's working at your organization, they go through a stretch where they're 65% productive because they're going through stuff in life. If you support them Mm -hmm. in a wonderful way and a human way, that's going to help them be more productive in the future, not because of the fact that you're changing their capabilities, you're changing their morale, and they're willing to pour more into the company because you treated them like a human first, not a number. And again, I know it's a fine line because you have to make profits and you have to clear margins and all that, but I really do believe if you treat every relationship with everybody in your company like a long-term relationship, that's when things really start to work out because you're not just obsessed with the week-to-week, the month-to-month. You're thinking, look, if i pour into this human they will be able to pour back into me because it will be based on a relationship not a number at the end of the week
0: that's a very good way of describing it as a relationship rather than rather than a number or as a relationship rather than a transaction mm. but to if we take this back to the beginning in some ways we're talking about the employer and what the employer can do but where we started was that before the employer can do anything, the employee, the person, the individual needs to have come to a point where they understand not just what they how they define success, not even how they define happiness, which, as you've said, is something that happens and then goes and ha- then comes around again, but how they are going to describe what will make them feel fulfilled. Mm, that is the key. And then everything. Once... Yeah, when someone has decided that, okay, those sorts of things make me feel fulfilled, the, the next door neighbor is fulfilled by other things. That is fantastic. The only thing I need to compare myself against is my definition of what makes me fulfilled. Have I fulfilled myself today? Did I fulfill myself during that argument with that person which I wish I'd never had in the first place? Or have I fulfilled myself in the way that I treated that person who came to help me? All these sorts of things. It's like, have you fulfilled yourself in what you are doing? I think that as a good foundation block of where to start a career, where to start and sort out your life is exactly the route that you've been on and a very valuable lesson. Kevin, thank you very much. That has been fantastic. Thank you.
1: My pleasure, Michael. I appreciate this. This was wonderful. Thank you again for having me.
0: It's been my pleasure. And thank you to you for listening to The Independent Minds. I am Michael Millward, Managing Director of Abisida. And my guest has been Kevin Palmieri, who is the founder of the Next Level University You can find out more about both of us at abeceda.co.uk. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Independent Minds and that you can give it a like. To make sure that you don't miss any future episodes, please subscribe. And remember, as with all podcasts from Abesida, we don't tell you what to think, but we do hope to make you think. Thank you.